up in church like me, you most likely looked forward to going to summer camp with your youth group every summer. And there were always a few things that you could guarantee would happen at every summer camp. There would be pranks, you know, classics like hide someone's mattress outside or the good old duct tape the seventh grade boy to the wall. Another thing you could always bank on was the summer camp romance every summer. I mean, sometimes multiple romances throughout the week involving the same student and all the drama that would go along with it. The other stalwart of the youth summer camp experience is the perpetual rededicator. And you know this kid. Maybe you were this kid. Every youth group has a few of them. Those students that would respond to an invitation at camp and would walk the aisle to recommit their life to Christ every single summer. And they would be so sincere, they would go home completely convinced that this year would be different. They are going to stop, fill in the blank, and then they are going to start reading the Bible and praying and saying no to temptation and being a good Christian. But every year... Just like a New Year's resolution to work out and to eat better, but then you're at a party and there's cake and it looks really good and you don't feel like going to the gym and before you know it, all of us come home from summer camp and we slowly drift back into this complacent and comfortable lifestyle of going to church on Sunday morning and then doing what we want the rest of the week. And as someone who's worked in youth ministry for the last 18 years, I can say pretty emphatically that almost all of the perpetual rededicators that I have had over the years, with very few exceptions, they aren't walking with Christ now as adults. No matter how many times they would commit their life, no matter how serious they would get with God, summer camp after summer camp, all of their effort never took them to a growing, abundant life with Christ. And so, if going to church and summer camp and recommitting your life to Jesus every year isn't the path to being more like Christ, then what is? Let's dive back into 1 Peter in the first two verses of chapter 1 where Peter kind of sneakily tucks in the answer. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And so Peter says to these exiles that they are chosen by the foreknowledge of God for three things, for sanctification, for obedience, and for sprinkling. And in this episode, let's just zoom in on that very first one, sanctification. The Greek word there is hagiosmos. And what does that mean? Well, there's another Greek word, hagios, kind of sounds the same. And that word means holy. And so sanctification means making holy. It's the process of becoming holy, becoming more like Christ through our actions, through our thoughts, through our lifestyle, through our words. But Peter doesn't just say sanctification, period, as if it's up to us to become more holy and rededicate our lives year after year and work harder for God and be good. He says the sanctification of the Spirit. Other translations say the sanctifying work of the Spirit or sanctified by the Spirit. See, it's not up to you to go and do the things that God desires of your life. That's actually the Spirit's work within you. 
It's the sanctifying work of the Spirit, not the sanctifying work of your own efforts and good intentions. It's only the Spirit that can make holy. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, where we see this play out really clearly. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. See, it is God himself that sanctifies you. God will be the one that finishes his work in you. And what's interesting and what we've gotten so wrong in Christianity today is this whole faith versus work understanding. So many people view salvation or their ticket to heaven through the lens of how good they have been. If they are more or less good and they don't do all the naughty things, then they'll go to heaven. And the sad part and what this concept of sanctification speaks into is that for even the Christians that understand that salvation is only through a work of God's grace, through faith, earned by Christ's death on the cross, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. You know, the ball is completely in God's court on this one. Many Christians still view sanctification differently than that. That the ball is in our court when it comes to being sanctified, to doing what's right. It's up to us to be good, to not screw it up. And that leads us to an unhealthy cycle of failure, shame, and then we promise God to do better and we rededicate our lives. We get super excited again about being a good Christian only to inevitably mess it up again. And so believers, it's so important for us to understand this. Just like in salvation, we say, God, I can't save myself. I realize that. Would you please save me? In the same way, in order to live the Christian life that God has predestined us to live, you have to come to that same place. God, I've tried. I can't do it. I do keep messing up because I don't have the power to do it. You have to be the one to do it. And so I submit to your spirit to make the change in me that I cannot make on my own. And then we don't just sit back with nothing required of us because the very next thing Peter says in this greeting in 1 Peter is that we're chosen for sanctification through the Spirit and for obedience. And so keep walking in obedience. Keep doing what God would want you to do. But put all of your reliance in becoming like Christ on God's effort, not your own. God is able. Paul said in Philippians 1.6 that he is confident of this. That God who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. And so stop walking the aisle in your heart year after year, giving God all the excuses of why you didn't measure up and making all sorts of promises of how you're going to do better. Instead, just bow before the king of the universe in repentance and ask that he change you, that his spirit works on your heart to sanctify and transform you to be more like his son. He not only saves you, but he has chosen you to become conformed to his image and for his purpose. And it is only through submitting to the work and power of his spirit that we'll ever be able to get to a life of holy obedience. And obedience is what we will be talking about next episode as we continue to trek through verse 2. And you know, this is still just Peter's greeting, and it is packed with so much theological truth. And so until next time, let's pray. 
Lord, may we surrender to your Spirit's power and leading in our lives. Help us to desire your Spirit at work in us more than we desire to do what's right on our own. And so we confess that we've taken control of our life in the past. We're tired of trying to be our own sanctifier. And so now we ask, sanctify us according to your word, by your spirit, for your own glory and purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.